Hello, welcome to An Arty Careers Talk. I'm Kerry Eustace. In this week's pod, we're exploring careers in the creative industries. Arts management student Phoebe Mackett will be revealing her hopes and fears for her creative career. And a careers expert from London's University of Arts joins us to discuss the current climate for arts grads. Julian Lindley has some sobering words about watching your attitude interview. But first, as ever, we've got a roundup of the news. Ali White and Matt Keynes are here to share their picks of this week's stories and blogs. Hello. Hi. Hi. Matt, you're going to go first. What have you got? Yeah, I've got a piece in The Guardian. It's called Young, Unpaid and Angry. Interns go online to campaign for a wage. And the gist is that it mentions an online campaign that names and shames famous high street businesses, such as Topshop and Reed, for their, quite frankly, very low paid or unpaid placements. It's a site dedicated to the experiences of young people who are trying to tackle something that is, quite frankly, a terrible job market. And it kind of gives advice and tips and things like that. So the one thing they picked up on was, for example, Topshop. They've been exposed on the site for paying grads on month-long work experience secondments, just £3.50 per day, with very, very limited travel expenses. So, you know, with almost a million young people out of work, according to recent figures, these kind of exposures, I suppose, can only really help graduates avoid the bad. Because one thing we've got to remember is that it's all well and good kind of everybody saying, oh, this is a great placement and, you know, everybody should try and apply here because the staff are really nice. But we've also got to, you know, start picking up on the ones that people should avoid so people don't make their, you know, some terrible mistakes. Also in the piece, it mentions the backlash from these big companies, um, which has actually been quite concerning, mainly because a lot of them are insisting that recruits should work for nothing. Um, they're kind of disguising it and calling it something else, you know, instead of an internship, they'll call it shadowing, which is a bit cheeky, I think. You know, it's interesting because grads are in a massive uproar to ban or expel these, you know, work experience placements that are unpaid. But the advice from educational professionals and legal people is that we need to compromise. We need to actually, instead of getting rid of them altogether, we need to help them facilitate these these much better paid better work experience placements because you know if if we start banning them all together everybody loses out and I think that's that's really key to take from this piece it's all well and good to want a ban on unpaid or low paid internships and work experience placements but there also needs to be an air of cooperation and compromise otherwise we'll risk losing them all together but at the same time it's important to earmark the companies that are failing in the grad recruitment process you know perhaps more naming and shaming uh, will go a long way to more fairer opportunities hopefully. Um, that's a really great point that you, you can sort of make the decision yourself. It's almost like a resource, I suppose, this campaign. Yeah, it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. To, you can go online and, if you know, if you really don't want to take an unpaid internship, you can target your job seeking yeah, more exactly. specifically. Thank you. All right, my story is a blog from the Careers in Theory blog, which is David Winter, the career expert from C2, who's been on the podcast a few times. And don't let the title put you off. It's overcoming the self-fulfilling prophecy of social rejection. Now, it sounds a bit highbrow, but it's really interesting, so bear with me. So the social rejection self-fulfilling prophecy, if I can say it right, relates to the unfortunate fact that if you expect somebody that you meet for the first time not to like you, you tend to behave in a way that's more distant towards them, and, and that increases the chances that they won't like you. So this has been sort of psychologically proven. But the reverse is also true, that if you expect that somebody's going to like you, you behave more warmly, and that sort of enhances your relationship. So, you know, when this comes to sort of careers and developing your job seeking, 
this self-fulfilling prophecy stuff can be a real huge barrier you're less likely to engage and succeed in networking which is really important making industry connections think of how it might affect the first impression that you make at interview or when you're on work experience and it might even come across in your cv you know if you've got that negative tone or that defeated tone however according to a group of researchers it's stinson et al they've done some research this year and found there's quite a simple exercise that you can do to help you escape that negative side of the self-fulfilling prophecy in their studies they got people to rank a list of strengths and abilities on what that individual saw as important so on the list there was things like sense of humor artistic skills creativity and then they were asked to pick out the one that they'd ranked top and sort of write about it in a bit more detail you know why they picked it why it was important to them you know where they possess those skills so they really sort of explored it and then the socially anxious participants who perhaps had been a bit nervous in the social situations before that had taken this exercise when they were then in a social interaction situation they behaved much better they were more calm they were kind of appreciative and more talkative and the effect of that actually lasted for a couple of months so this kind of self-reflection this self-affirmation of your kind of skills really benefited them the authors of the research said that this exercise kind of buffers you against your perceived threats in a situation or your perceived anxiety so it kind of boosts your confidence and we all know that at the moment confidence among grads is quite low so I think it might be really worthwhile sort of really examining your strengths sort of making a list and and it would even help you when you're writing your CV so I'd highly recommend that even though it might sound a bit sort of hippy dippy as Julian would say um, it's something that could really help you if you're feeling a bit nervous or shy. Well I've got a really fun story Um, I noticed on the Daily Echo website down in Bournemouth and it's um, concerning two Cambridge graduates Ed Moyce and his friend Ross Harper and it's a typical story you know graduated massive debt no employment on the horizon and so they thought they'd do something else about it so they had a notebook full of ideas and apparently after a few bar sessions they settled on the idea of painting their faces with advertising messages and mm-hmm. um, so on October the 1st they set out for 366 days to literally paint slogans on their faces for money so the first fee started on the first day for a pound and started gradually rising and they were 10 pounds was the cheapest rate was available when they spoke to the paper but I think it's fantastic if you look at their website which is where they're displaying their photos of what they've been up to it's really good fun because they've painted the slogans but they've obviously thought really hard about how they can get the messages out there so there's pictures of them on a roller coaster at Thorpe Park you know with the, when it snaps you when you're on the ride and you can see the advertising <laughs> slogan they've been pictures in nightclubs kind of hugging girls and I bet (laughs) I think they're really relishing their tasks um there was pictures of them in South London I think hugging random strangers and putting the pictures up and apparently they've got a Facebook and Twitter page but I think what's really cool about it is they're actually demonstrating some really industry one required skills like they're obviously doing really well at the advertising kind of game and just getting the message out there they've obviously use social media and of course the papers have picked up on it so they're promoting themselves well so yeah I think it's going to be really good fun to watch what they get up to and where they end up because that sort of creativity I think they'll be snapped up before long but I I hope they continue with this I hope it will come a big hit they're at a graduate job fair today so look forward to seeing the pictures of that as well just think what an interesting talking point that would be you got to an interview I sort of painted my face it could definitely get some interest in you wouldn't it they should paint their face with the logo of the company they're interviewing with Oh, nice touch, (laughs) Ali, nice. (laughs) Thanks very much.
Now, in this week's Dear Julian, our jobs guru has some stern words about your attitude as a job seeker. So the letter we're going to deal with today is from somebody who's got some questions really about how to handle tricky interview scenarios. And the questions really are around how do you ask, answer the question, why do you want to leave your current job? Are you allowed to criticise your current employer? How do you strike the right balance between being competent without being a threat to the person interviewing you? And when giving interview advice, why do experts always start from the assumption that interviewers are perfect, godlike, impartial creatures? They're tricky questions to answer, mainly because, and I'll you know, just be completely honest here, as an interviewer, as a prospective employer, they, they annoy me a little bit, the questions. I absolutely, 100% understand where that frustration, anger that's coming across in your questions comes from. You know, you're part of a generation of people who have had to pay a lot of money for education. You have come into the world of employment and there are no jobs and you have big debts. And I would be absolutely furious. I'm furious on your behalf. You know, it, it's a really unfortunate, uncomfortable situation to be in. However, the, the start of your letter is all about talking negatively about your current employer. As an interviewer, these things would be ringing huge alarm bells with me. Ringing huge alarm bells because you don't want to employ somebody who is a negative thinker but because it, it makes you worry straight away, well, why? The reason that people are tough, interviewers are tough in interviews, is because you don't want to end up employing the wrong person. You employ the wrong person, you end up with a whole load of issues and problems that can affect an entire workforce. So you've got to be incredibly tough to make sure that you get the right person in your team. And this is, this is a, it's a tricky thing to talk about for lots of different reasons, but employers are in the position of the moment of being able to employ whoever they want to. And the reality is no employer is going to give a job to somebody who thinks that they're better thinks that they know it all already and there's a danger that by the time this recession has come to an end when jobs start to open up a bit more freely again that the generation below you will kind of take those jobs because they will have been brought up in a generation where work has been a struggle you know people have had to fight for jobs so therefore it sort of teaches us culturally that that we're lucky to be given a job in a particular position it's very possible that your current employer might be terrible you know might be awful person to work for but make the focus of your endeavor the future you know the job that you want to get and don't focus on the current situation that you're in. So talk about, the, you know, that you would like a new challenge, that you would like to grow in your role and you don't think that the opportunity is in your current employment is to do that. Make that the focus rather than asking how to, how to slag off your current employer really is the subtext of what you're asking me. You're going to have to get a bit of perspective here and step away from your anger to, to think about, I want a job. And what can I do to get this job? And unfortunately, there is no one probably that you can take it out on. You know, there are so many reasons why we're in this economic state. There's so many reasons why there are no jobs available. But it is not the fault or the problem of the person who's employing you. So hide that anger. Push it aside. Don't let your frustration get in the way of this brilliant opportunity you've got, which is being interviewed for a new job, which could take you onto very many positive, brilliant places. That was Julian Lindley, Creative Director at Bauer.
So all our regular listeners out there, cast your mind back to August last year and a pod in which we asked, will an arts degree get you a job? You may remember the show was inspired by the brilliant arts graduate unemployment song about a struggling job seeker who considered lifting so much as a mug to be beneath them. New listeners should go and Google arts graduate unemployment song. It's well worth your while. It was a spoof, of course, satirising lazy arts grads and their tendencies towards dropping Nietzsche into any job application. But it did also raise some pertinent points about how employers perceive arts degrees and how arts graduates should approach the job market. A year on, we're revisiting the issue and asking, what do arts graduates need to know about the job market? In a minute, we'll be hearing from an arts graduate and a career expert. But first, we're going to hear from Phoebe Mackett, an arts management student at London South Bank University. She's prepared a short essay, which she's going to read for us now, about her experiences of doing an arts degree. Phoebe, over to you. My name is Phoebe Mackett, I'm 25, and in my final year of an arts management degree at London South Bank University. A few years ago, partway through a fine arts degree, and with little more experience than a few retail roles under my belt, I realised that if I wanted to pursue a career in the arts, a CV full of retail-based roles just wouldn't cut it. Though it was tough having to start from scratch again, I decided an arts management degree would give me more focus and direction towards my dream job in the art world. So, also spurred on by my boredom with a dead-end career in retail management, I applied for the arts management course through Clearing in 2009, knowing that it would be great for me as it combined my knowledge and experience of management and my love of art. At the time, I was interested in fine art and gallery management, but I'm now honing in on a career in event logistics and festival management. My course combines the practical hands-on side of management, such as event logistics, marketing and basic accounting, as well as strong academic subjects such as music theory, arts policies and the study of highbrow and lowbrow culture. We have a massive variety of backgrounds in our group, people from areas such as theatre, dance, live music and event promotion. We put these areas of expertise into action during an events module in our second year, where we devised an event of our choosing, raised the necessary funds, contracted artists and performers, as well as marketing, selling and promoting the event. This, in combination with completing a certain amount of days of compulsory work experience each year, has led me to gain fantastic hands-on experience and practical skills that are an asset to my CV. Yet, even with all these skills, I've struggled to find companies willing to take me on as an intern or for work experience. In my experience, I found that in the arts, it's not so much what you know, but who you know. However, through perseverance and making lots of phone calls, I've been lucky enough to land work with Brick Lane Gallery and the O2 Academy's press office over the last two years. But it's through family connections that I've been able to gain invaluable experience working for the likes of Glastonbury Festival and Festival Republic. With backgrounds of my fellow students being so varied, it is not uncommon to put someone else in touch with previous employers or a friend if they've shown interest in a career in marketing or arts education, for example. But now, in my third year, I've woken up to the fact that there are very few career choices available for students from an arts background. Many firms, regardless of size, are keen to take on full-time interns and just cover the cost of travel, which to me isn't a career, it's just experience. And come next summer... I feel I'd have gained enough experience through my degree to warrant a full-time salaried position. With many art subjects, sometimes the only career option available is to teach. But with my degree, experience and skills, I'm hoping that I'll be able to make a career in event management, even if I'm relying on someone putting in a good word for me. My biggest fear, if I'm honest, would be returning to fashion retail, even at a graduate entry level, for a management position. I'd probably end up resenting and regretting my degree. 
Yeah. Really nice to be, but some interesting points that you've raised there, especially about career choices. Um, it'd be interesting to find out what our guests think of that in a minute. So, welcome to the studio. We've got Hannah Clement, Student Development Officer in the Student Enterprise and Employability Service at the University of Arts London, and Ben Westhead, who graduated this year from BA Fine Art at Chelsea, and he's now President of the University of the Arts London Students' Union. Let's just get a quick reaction of Phoebe's reading. What did you think, Hannah? I think Phoebe made a couple of really interesting points that I was particularly struck by, and I'd like to find out a little bit more about what she feels. Because on one hand, it was that she's accrued lots of different skills from the variety of different things that she's done but also that she's really used the contacts that she's got through family and through friends to actually find a variety of different opportunities to enable her to have experiences, but also the sense that you said that you felt you didn't have a career just kind of made for you and you're concerned you might have to go back to something that was easier to find work within. Well, I think that the the skills that I've gained and the contacts that I have kind of have to go hand in hand. Mm. I wouldn't be competent enough to do these things that my family and friends would put me in touch with if I hadn't done the degree but also through these contacts I have I've gained skills for example this year I was working at Glastonbury Festival and I was working hands-on with security teams I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't had a contact but I wouldn't have been competent enough to do it if I hadn't done my degree mm. so they kind of work hand in hand yeah and I've also heard that it's not what you know it's not even just who you know it's who they know so mm. it's also <laughs> really thinking about speaking to people about who they know as well absolutely and it I mean the arts world is incredibly small you do find that people know someone and mm. you know someone will mention someone's name at a party and they'll go oh I did work experience with them or they're on my degree or something similar and so it's it's very close-knit community so there's a lot of reliance on on, on friends and family I think I want to pick up on this point of you know not what you know who you know you know, there's a lot of discussion around people that haven't got family connections in a particular in- industry are disadvantaged. But surely there's some scope for you to create your own contacts with a little bit of initiative. What do you think about that? Definitely. I think it's a, an important point that you've made about using your initiative. And um, partly, I think that can come not only from going out and looking for contacts or people that are already well established, maybe in the creative industry, but looking more towards your you know, your peers and and the different graduates and starting on more of a grassroots level rather than trying to, you know, find help from someone high up in the industry already. I remember somebody coming in from quite a big arts agency coming in and speaking to some of our students and talking about how students are so kind of kind of concerned about networking because it's it's nerve-wracking but this idea it's not just about going into a really large room and suddenly having to introduce yourself to, to lots of big people and that when you go to a gallery for example if you go to a private view don't make a beeline for necessarily with the big people because they're going to be really busy but why not think about actually getting in contact with somebody who's actually interning there because not only will they have a lot of contacts but they're also going to be much more approachable and they potentially are your peers at the moment as well but that kind of real idea of using your initiative to find as many contacts as you can doesn't necessarily have to be as scary as I think it seems to a lot of students because that's one of the diff- that's one of the things that I think I hear from students a lot is I don't know how to network I don't know anyone and also particularly the issue with international students I think you know a lot of our students are international students so they do have contacts but they think well my con- contacts aren't where I need them but actually I would really get them to really think about who they really know and also use different ways to network it doesn't have to be face to face use your social networks actually to really push 
push your networking as far as you possibly can. Yeah, I'd really endorse that. There's lots of people who've got in touch with me via Twitter that have ended mm. up in the podcast, like Phoebe, for example. So just to return to something I raised in the intro about last year, we asked Will and Oz degree get you a job I mean it's like a question that's trying to to raise a bit of conflict but I mean do you have any thoughts about the employability of arts graduates I mean Phoebe you talked a little bit didn't you about how you feel your degrees equipped you for work experience what Um, do you think I think it will get you a job but it will be getting you a job eventually a lot of my friends um, have studied art-based degrees such as illustration graphic design furniture design architecture and we've all kind of been led to believe that we'll fall into a job as soon as we graduate, that there are these jobs out there and we're all going to be perfectly equipped. But a lot of my friends that have graduated in the last three or four years, they've ended up sort of being kitchen porters or working in retail. And then through a family connection or a friend, they will then end up landing a job somewhere in London or in a big city. And suddenly, you know, they're doing the job that they always wanted to do. So I think you do get a job when you do an arts degree, but it won't be as soon as you graduate. What, what do you think about employability of arts grads, Ben? Well, I think it's an interesting point. And, you know, actually being equipped with skills, I think is something that's that's really important in creative institutions. And when you're studying for a creative degree, is that actually a lot more, I, I think, you know, you're studying for an education. You're not studying the, the piece of paper, the degree at the end, maybe doesn't hold the same weight is actually the you know the the education you know if you're talking about a portfolio like for an illustration student or for a textile student or you know even for a a video game design student the company that might be interested in in having you work for them is far more likely to be interested in your portfolio than maybe the degree at the end and the grade that you've got the strength of education and being educated and you know using your time at university not to be focused on okay what's the what's the grade at the end going to say but you know what's the best experience i can get you know how can I actually be, become educated from going to university it sounds ridiculous to say that you know you might go to university and your focus should be being educated really well but I think it is actually a really important point. What do you think, Hannah, on employability and also yeah. Phoebe's point about how long it takes mm. to sort of enter the job market in your desired role? Yeah, no, I think Phoebe's absolutely right. I think it would be unrealistic to imagine, and I'm, I would suggest this isn't just arts graduates as well, that it might take longer for you to get yourself into what you actually want to do and that it doesn't just happen overnight. But also that each job is a stepping stone onto the next one. And I mean, I'd say that's general careers advice in the sense that I think graduates come up with a lot of excitement about what might happen and where they're going to be going and how much money they might earn, and how much they might enjoy their job and where it's going to take them in the future. And I think it's, it's using that excitement, but also mixing with a bit of reality of what's actually going on out there and speaking to as many people as you can about how they did it and what they did. But I would also pick up, I think arts graduates are highly employable and it's about really thinking about what you've done the fact that you you might be very divergent in your thinking in the sense you might be able to take in a lot of different points of view that other graduates might not be able to do and that you've gone through a process where you're really critically thinking about what you do you've got independent thinking so it's really kind of thinking about the skills that you've got that you might not realize that you had and as picking up on Ben's point and it's your it's your work it's your portfolio that you can really show the end result but it's also don't forget about the the way you've communicated with people the way you've been able to communicate your work verbally it's also really important the way you actually talk about your work to people so kind of practicing how you talk about what you do and how you've got to the end result is important but I also think it's important for graduates and for all of us to be aware that the creative industries are really really wide diverse area and we're talking about going into film tv 
broadcast engineering, garment technologists, for example, from fashion. These are areas that you might not even necessarily know exist. So I would also say that really think about what opportunities are out there because it's not just you know going into fashion design or becoming a fine artist or becoming a graphic designer. There's lots of nuances within those different roles and those different jobs. I'd like to explore that kind of research or the career choices mm. element a bit more. That's something that you mentioned, Phoebe, that you weren't sort of sure about the range of roles. I mean, have you done much research into that um, yet, would you I say? Think the reason why I'm kind of a bit sort of narrow-minded about careers is probably because during my A-levels, I was pretty good at art. I got some pretty good grades and I was almost sort of pressured by parents and teachers that I had to do a career in the arts. And, you know, I never thought that with an arts degree, I could go into, I don't know, um, illustration or graphic design or garment technology. I didn't realise that there were all these offshoots of, of what an arts degree could get me. So, you know, I, I did try and complete a fine art degree, but there wasn't any career advice that went alongside with it. And I think that's what I like about my degree is that we're encouraged to explore different avenues of, you know, of what a career could be. So I think I'm starting to broaden my mind. I mean, I don't want to say, yes, I just want to be events manager. I kind of think, you know, if you find something that you excel in within your degree, you know, put that to one side and think, you know, that can be a backup choice, perhaps. What about you, Ben? Uh, fine art to SU president. Talk, tell us about your sort of career goals and how you've explored the job market for the future. Well, I mean, t- t- to be honest with you, you know, I felt really lucky because my parents encouraged me to go into a, you know, a, a line of, of study as in, as in fine art that maybe wasn't, you know, the most financially secure compared to I don't know whatever else because you know I was torn I was torn and you know whether to go for something that was maybe had more secure you know job prospects at the end and you know I'm in a quite a privileged situation now because my job now is is to kind of is to represent students is to be a student representative which is something that I was doing you know alongside my course already and I think you know coming back on Hannah's point earlier building momentum is such an important point it's like a simple thing to say, but, you know, having a, a blog that's that's always there, even if you've not got a lot of people looking at it or a lot of followers, it's a place that you can always send people. And, you know, it's it's like I was saying about a portfolio earlier. It's just, it's always, you know, having a record of, of yourself that, you know, basically that you exist. That's really leading on to us having to say and that art graduates perhaps just have to be a lot more proactive and that it's not enough just to be filling in application forms to think you're going to walk into a job. I mean, I'm not saying that's necessarily happening to all graduates at the moment anyway. I think it's a difficult time. But I think arts graduates have to be much more aware of getting out there and talking to people about what they do so that people are then looking at the work that they do because very few arts jobs necessarily are found through filling in application forms and going for interview. So that that's kind of very much the networking of going off and finding job opportunities because around 50% of um, students last year who graduated from UL actually found work through networking, not through applying to jobs. And the other issue is that a lot of graduates from arts degrees go into freelance or self-employment. So that, again, is about being really proactive about what you feel you can offer. So, again, not necessarily going out to find jobs, but going freelance and making money from what you do and from your creativity. What do you all feel to be the biggest challenges facing arts grads? Initially, I think it's knowing what options there are and not necessarily seeing it as it being a straightforward, steady pathway that you go into and off you go, that it's a bit more rocky than that. 
I absolutely have to agree. I mean, um, there needs to be as much advice made available by by universities or colleges so that students don't just think, you know, it's a one-track degree. If you do a degree in art, you become an artist. You do a degree in illustration, you be, you, you're an illustrator. There has to be as much opportunity to broaden the mind as possible, I think. Well, yeah, le- leading on for that as, as well, I think sometimes the perception is with art students is that maybe you finish your degree and, you know, the next thing that you do you know, for a lot of, of a lot of students, as you go on to an internship, which can be a very, very difficult process. And, and actually, again, I mean, I'd echo the idea that there's not just this kind of standard linear process that you've just kind of got to think outside the box, a bit of a cheesy term. But. <laughs> um, and just to finish, Hannah, have you got sort of a, a top tip that perhaps you'd like to share, kind of arts, careers, secret, maybe? With well, the, the top tips that I think graduates would always, when I've asked them what their tip, top tips are, is to keep going and not give up to keep being really you know keep that perseverance and keep patient about what your what your goals are and what you want to do positive note to end on thanks very much everyone thank you thank you cheers thank you now the jobs top 10 has come over all creative as well matt and ali are going to reveal an arts themed chart kicking us off at 10 it's an administrative assistant role at art angel and at nine rose recruitment is looking for an art director's assistant Dulwich Picture Gallery is after an exhibitions assistant at eight. Coming in at seven, it's a research assistant role at Audiences London. And at six, it's a technical manager vacancy at the Plaza Stockport. We've a gallery administrator and registrar role on offer from Greengrassy at five. And four is an assistant editor job at the National Gallery. Wayne McGregor, Random Dance, seeks a creative learning project coordinator at three. Pip to the Post at two, it's a collections officer from the National Trust. And this week's numero uno is a textile designer at Artwork Design Limited. And finally, here's what we've got coming up on careers.guardian.co.uk next week. Wednesday 19th of October is career options in the sports industry. Thursday 20th of October, routes into insurance. And Friday 21st of October, what to do with a degree in design studies. If you want to get those Q&A links and future podcasts delivered directly to your inbox, you can now sign up to our weekly newsletter. I'll drop a link in the show notes. That brings us to the end of the pod. Thanks to our guests, Phoebe Mackett, Hannah Clements and Ben Westhead. And of course, the pod regulars, Julian Lindley, Matt Keynes and Ali White. Careers Talk was produced by Sarah Cudden. I'm Kerry Eustace. Goodbye. Goodbye.